Welcome to Lou Marks the Spot, brought to you by yours truly, Lou Marks, bringing sanity and common sense back to America. Today we're going to talk about white privilege, the myth. First, I'd like to say I have something for sale. It's my white privilege card. The card is over 60 years old, but in mint condition, it's never been used. The reason for selling, it hasn't done anything for me. No free college, no free food, no free housing, no free anything. I've had to work every day in my life while paying a whole bunch of taxes to carry those who chose not to work. If interested, I prefer cash, but willing to do an even trade for a victim card, which seems to be much more widely accepted and comes with countless benefits without even having to show the card. If you're interested, contact me on my cell phone also that I pay for every month. Serious buyers only. Let's for a second imagine a middle school in suburban Illinois somewhere. Imagine that a school official has the opportunity to take 10 students to a private meeting with former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson. Now imagine that the school official decides to limit that opportunity to students only who are black. His intentions are good. After all, this demographic is statistically high risk in his community. He wants to provide them with the kind of inspiration that might just change the course of their lives. Since Secretary Carson is black, these students' eyes will be open, supposedly, to the possibilities that lie before them. That's all good as so far as it goes and sounds. And what about the students who are excluded from the opportunity based solely on the color of their skin? The school official reasons that because most of those students are white, here comes the problem, you need not be concerned with their exclusion. They have all the advantages they need already. White privilege. The scenario was made up just to illustrate a point, but it is reflective of real scenarios that are unfolding all the time in modern America today. In fact, I recently heard a personal account of a very similar situation. White privilege has become a common phrase in our modern lexicon. It exposes a woeful lack of understanding of the real roots of success and failure in our society. It undermines the American dream and does damage on national unity. It might be convenient to use skill color, skin color as an indicator of a person's position on life's privilege continuum, but doing so will often lead to false conclusions in fact, other factors are way, way, way far more relevant. For instance, modern studies show that the breakup of family is a common cause of poverty. So perhaps we should talk about a two-parent privilege instead of a white privilege. Much more important. The 1966, way back then, Coleman Report on Education found that parents' attitudes towards learning was a strong predicator of academic success. So maybe we're dealing with a learning lover's privilege privilege. Race does not dictate the strength of a marriage, parents' attitudes towards learning, nor their propensity to lovingly and consistently discipline their children. That comes from character. Neither does race dictate financial status. Not all white kids by far are rich, and not all minorities are far by poor. Some readers may be thinking, Yes, but a higher percentage of whites are wealthy and college-educated. To them, I say, don't be placated by statistics. 
I assure you, they bring no comfort to the bright little 12-year-old white girl from a poor dysfunctional family who is told she does not qualify for a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because her skin is the wrong color. And it happens every day. The stereotype of white privilege undermines the American dream. Our ancestors worked hard to build a society where anyone, through discipline and hard work, not white privilege, can achieve a reasonable measure of social and economic success. The idea of white privilege suggests that the system is rigged, that the scales are still tipped in favor of whites. Non-whites who believe that others are privileged may be discouraged from buying into the dream. This is the problem. Putting people down, giving them a sense of insecurity. But the harm of the white privilege myth goes further. It undermines our national unity, pitting races against one another. It slanders racial minorities and tells them that they're not worthy, they're not capable. It's wrong. As social engineers seek to correct the spurious white privilege problem through affirmative action programs, they instead confer the idea that anyone who isn't white really needs someone to give them a leg up in the world. That is wrong, stupid, ignorant, racist, downtrodden thinking. Ultimately, these programs cast aspersions on the harder achievements of brilliant individuals who do happen to be members of a racial minority. Their peers may wonder if they really did earn their place or was given to them at the expense of someone else because of their race. Again, puts down minority races. I am white. And I confess that I have enjoyed many privileges, but none, not one of them, had anything to do with my race. The greatest of my privileges were these. Parents who loved me, encouraged me, and worked hard to provide me with everything I truly needed. Good health, the generosity of people I will never know, who chose to reward academic discipline with scholarship funds. The gift of faith in a creator who has clearly shown mankind the path to blessing. We all pay sometimes lip service nonsense to Martin Luther King Jr., but few social activists seem to really have the courage of his convictions. His dream was that one day his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. It's exactly what white privilege does. It's wrong. Today, many white people have the same simple dream for their children. White privilege is a lie, and a poisonously racist one at that. After all, if powerful white liberals are generally consumed with guilt about their superior status due to white privilege, if they believe the exalted positions they occupy in institutions such as the New York Times, politics, and the BBC is morally indefensible, they could always check their privilege at the door and simply resign, but they never do. According to a recent report by the American Enterprise Institute, 57% of black Americans now belong to the upper middle class. 57%, that's a tremendous number, fantastic, compared to 38% in 1960. And the share of black men in poverty fell from 41% in 1960 to 18% in 2016 and 17. If we look at education, African Americans are beginning to outperform whites. Black women 
for instance, have higher college attendance rates than white men, and according to the New York Times, out-earn their white counterparts when they graduate. Fantastic. Again, where's the white privilege? It doesn't exist. The myth. Black Lives Matter activists, of course, point to the recent spate of shootings of unarmed black men as evidence of white privilege, such as the fatal shooting of Trayvon Martin in 2012. Although the shooter was a dual heritage Hispanic man, but according to the African-American Harvard economist Roland Fryer, blacks and Hispanics are no more likely to be shot by police officers than whites. This is a fact. Although they are more likely to experience the non-lethal use of force, even taking contextual factors into account. In fact, the odds of an unarmed black man being shot dead by a police officer and this is a fact, are about the same as being struck by lightning. What about the psychic wound of slavery? Sure, this is a sin that all white people are guilty of. That's the reasoning behind the demand for reparations made by Elizabeth Warren and others. The claim that all white people are uniquely privileged and have a moral obligation to renounce that privilege and atone for it is based in no small part in the role played by Britain, America, and the North America slave trade. This is what accounts for the exceptionalism of whites, why they are uniquely privileged, they say. However, the truth, the reality, is the only exceptional thing about Britain and America when it comes to the obscenity of slavery is that both countries devoted considerable blood and treasure to ending it, whether it was the Royal Navy in the North Atlantic or the Union Army in the American Civil War. People ended it. But they can't be telling me that everything I've done with my life can be credited to the racist patriarchy holding my hand throughout my years of education and eventually guiding me into Princeton. Even that is too extreme. So to find out what they were saying, I decided to take their advice and actually went and checked the origins of my privileged existence. To empathize with those underdog stories I can't supposedly possibly comprehend. I've heard some examples of the privilege for which my family was blessed, and now I think I'd better understand those who ensure me that skin color allowed my family and I to flourish today. That's a lie. The truth is, though that I have been exceptionally privileged in my life, not in the way any detractors would have it. It has been my distinct privilege that my grandparents came to America. First, that there was a place at all called America that would take them from the ruins of Europe. And second, that such a place was one where they could legally enter, legally, learn the language, and acclimate to a society that ultimately allowed them to flourish. It was their privilege to come to a country that grants equal protection under the law to its citizens, to come legally, that cares not about religion or race, but the content of your character. It was my privilege that my grandfather was blessed with resolve and an entrepreneurial spirit, and he was lucky enough to come to the place where he could realize the dream of giving, giving his children a better life than he had. He made a fortune, he became a millionaire, lost it all in the pressure, went to work for a factory, bought a house, built a life, raised a fantastic family. This is due to his character, it was not my privilege. And far more important for me than his attributes was the legacy he sought to pass along, which forms the basis of what detractors call my privilege, it was character, it was goodness. 
but which actually should be praised as one of altruism and self-sacrifice. Those who came before us suffered for the sake of giving us a better life. And we similarly sacrifice for our descendants by caring for the planet is called environmentalism. And it's applauded, but when we do it by passing along property and a set of values, it's called privilege. It was earned. And when we do it by raising questions about our crippling national debt, we're called Tea Party radicals. Such sacrifice of any form shouldn't be scorned, but admired. My exploration did yield some more results. I recognized that it was my parents' privilege, and now my own, that there is such a thing as an American dream, which is attainable even for a penniless immigrant. I am privileged that values like faith and education were passed along to me goodness and character, respect and responsibility. My grandparents played an active role in my parents' education and some of my earliest memories, including learning the alphabet with my mom and dad. It's been made clear to me that education begins in the home and the importance of the parents' involvement with their kids' education from mathematics to morality and to character and to integrity cannot be overstated. It's not a matter of white or black, male or female, or any other division which we see, but a matter of the values we pass along, a legacy we leave that perpetuates privilege. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's what life is built, built on and it's all about. Here is an undeniable truth. Those in positions of power, like the Democrats and liberals, can deny others opportunity and create devastation in other people's lives. Slavery and the legacy of Jim Crow are painful examples. Human history is indeed troubling, filled with bloodshed and bigotry that has caused unspeakable harm. But in the end, we must get away from poisonous groupthink because the ideology and actions of individuals matter much, much, much more. So which factors determine the path a person takes? Is success a product of grit, the ability to persevere despite obstacles, and a dogged determination to succeed? Is achieving a high station in life related to all the people with whom you choose to surround yourself who influence you and either encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and reach for the stars and attain the American dream or allow you to languish in a miserable environment lacking drive? Due to constant put-downs. Are accomplishments motivated by faith, which can inspire you and push you day to day, day in and day out, to become a better person? Or our lives and all that happens to us just predetermined by the color of your skin? Come on, people, common sense tells us better. According to Oprah Winfrey, one of the most racist, not to mention with great irony, also one of the wealthiest and successful people in America as well, is a person is white, she says, no matter where they come from or what challenges they have faced, they have it good. Look who's talking, a billionaire. Although, to, according to her view, white people continue to get ahead simply through the good fortune of having been born to white parents. This white privilege she purports as a lie has made it possible for white people to rise above minorities, providing them with an extra boost, and there they stay, even today. So says the billionaire black racist. 
According to this flawed and extremely racist narrative and warped perspective, personal histories didn't don't matter. Character counts for nothing. Individual circumstances and responsibilities are inconsequential, according to Oprah Winfrey and this this type of narrative. This is far too simplistic and evil a way to look at our world and too stupid. Moreover, it is blatantly wrong. There are many potential influences that have a real impact on a person. In the greatest scheme of things, skin color is among the least, if nothing, relevant when it comes to predicting a person's future success. Economic status, for example, is a far more important determinant. Whether we like it or not, money is truly the great equalizer and enabler in this world. Those with the privilege of financial security certainly have significant advantages, right Oprah? Over those without. This indisputable fact remains true regardless of the color of your skin. Your family, your friends, and your environment all play huge roles in lifting you up or tearing you down. Even the nation in which you were born is a bigger contributing factor than skin color. I was blessed to be born in the United States of America, and every day I continue to reap the benefits of citizenry in the most free and advanced nation the world has ever seen. Every day I'm grateful to be part of the fabric of this great country. My identity as an American, not as an African American, white American, or any other American, qualified with an unnecessary modifier of skin color, is what provides me with limited opportunities. Carrying a U.S. passport is a far bigger detriment on my station in life than my alleged lack of white privilege. Blaming it all on race is a blatant lie and one to keep people down. Let's call it the biggest white lie of all, because it is. The American dream still remains alive. That is true no matter what you look like, provided you are willing to work to achieve your goals and aspirations. These days it seems as if everyone prefers to make excuses rather than dedicate themselves to doing what it takes to succeed. The fall back upon your blackness is taking the easy way out and a shameful and sad excuse. Enough of the cries of woe and the sermonizing from black folks who actually have proven that dreams can come true in this country. Success is about the strength of your character, not the color of your skin. Success is much more dependent upon who you are, what you prioritize, and the relentless pursuit of excellence than the amount of melanin of your skin. Across America, liberals continue wringing their hands and whining and trying to blame all of life and society's ills and on racism. Racism is real, but it simply cannot be blamed for everything. By pointing to blackness as the source of failure, we are actually allowing people clinging to the bottom rungs of a society to wallow there. Instead, we need to remind them that life is what you make it. They have the same chance as anyone else and they are quite capable, if not more, and give them a push up that career and life ladder. In the end, you reach your potential through grace, not race. It takes commitment and a willingness to work hard, and anyone can do it. To excuse mediocrity and pile the blame atop some obscure notion of white privilege does black people no favors at all. On the contrary, if we tell that to our kids, we incentivize mediocrity because what is the point of trying to excel if millions of us are doomed from the start? 
Why bother? This is the problem with the false narrative, the myth of white supremacy. With no due respect to Oprah, she doesn't deserve any in my opinion. She and others who share her views should stop doing a disservice by belittling and evaluating the accomplishments of people by linking fate to skin color. And building blocks of success come in many colors, not just black and white. Tempting though it is to just sit back and allow the left to self-harm, we shouldn't do that. Racial politics is so ugly and so fundamentally dangerous as we know from the history of the 20th century that we have to expose concepts like white privilege for the toxic abuse of nonsense that they are. Those of us who live in America, among the least racist, most tolerated society on earth, have a duty to stand up to the tsunami of gobbledygook before it sweeps us all away. And hey, remember, my white privilege card is still up for sale.